0: Welcome to the Make More, Keep More show, an irreverent but never irrelevant show dedicated to all things money. Hosted by Ron Carruthers and Dominic Cummins, two guys with 50 years of combined experience in sales and finance and a lifetime of talking nonsense. Welcome everyone to the Make
1: More, Keep More show. This is the show about all things money. Making it, keeping it, growing it, paying less in taxes, all those sorts of things. I'm Ron Carruthers with your my co-host Dominic. Cummins of At Real Biz Advisors, and uh, today we're going to make Dominic do most of the work simply because I'm sleeping with my eyes open. <laughs> <It's> the <laughs> last Friday before tax season ends, and oh, I think I went to bed about
0: midnight,
1: and I was up about four this morning. So, and we're, we're, we're definitely at the point. Yep, yeah, and it's how to get rich also um <laughs> definitely at the point where the caffeine doesn't even do any good so
0: i'm just saying this? something for how much caffeine you usually drink on a day-to-day basis
1: tell me about it and normally it works its magic not today
0: yeah is there is there a limit i mean for you because you, you're, you're what like six quad shots a day or something like that on a normal basis i mean you is know, there a possibility to go to like 10 does that even help
1: you know what? what's funny is i actually don't drink near as much as people think i do i just drink it often so i generally start the day with a double shot and then one single shot slow my roll for a little bit i actually drink some green tea then i turn around and i'll have i I would have liked to have gotten another espresso before we started the show but alas it was not two bees yes and um and then generally one or two more and that's really it and i hardly ever drink an actual mug of coffee and if i go to starbucks and get like a just even a taller grande coffee and drink the whole thing. I'll be wired for days. So interesting. anyway,
0: I'm like two to three cups of coffee a day. What's that?
1: How you been before we dive into business here?
0: Uh, Doing well, doing well. Just a busy week. Uh, Lots going on and uh, doing tons of interviews right now for a client. So that's keeps me busy. Yeah, you're
1: like an interview hell, right? I am
0: kind of. Yeah, I actually like it. I'm weird that way. I just enjoy interviewing people. It's kind of fun. For a guy who's not particularly social, it is fun to interview people. There you go. Yeah.
1: I, um, by the way, we were supposed to have Howard Berg today, the legit Guinness Book of World Records, world's fastest reader. He's not being a diva with us. He just had a last-minute doctor's plan to come up. somebody who's trying to get in and we did have we were trying to work out the technology and he's like oh i just realized i gotta go to this doctor so he's got really good stuff we will get him back on yep and uh one of these days in the meantime we um we got some really good feedback from last week's show about how to make your resume stand at the top of the pile and if you guys remember the keyword was send a cover letter with it because the cover letter goes exactly as you send it and it makes the whole thing stand out yep. um there are plenty of other tips you can go back and check that out at make more keep show.com um, but in the meantime since dominic has in fact been in trying to get this thing to go like oh hold on if we go just like a little i'm trying to get it oh there we go that's <laughs> eh, better Basically, I have an upside down trash can with a book stacked against it. And so I like a little recycling bin can. That's nice. my stand for today. Really nice. Super classy. Yeah. But anyway, since Dominic, since you've been interviewing all these guys, and that's definitely more interesting than me describing all the tax returns I've been reviewing, um, talk to us. What do you see going good? What should they learn from this? Like they there, and by the way, I would say good interviewing skills apply to anything. So, even if they you're do. not looking for a job right now, I would absolutely look, pay attention to what he's doing here and shotting about. And, um, yeah, I think so. Tell me, the, the,
0: I think you're absolutely right. I mean, in fact, I, you know, as I was making notes for this, I was thinking that even if you're not interviewing, what we're going to talk about is like basic principles. Because as I was writing down some of the stuff that was like, here's the stuff that's just crazy, I'm like, you know, this actually applies to any business meeting, sales meeting client meeting it doesn't really matter what it is these things apply but it's so funny because you'll see otherwise pretty good individuals just collapse on an interview or like act completely not themselves because they think what's supposed to go right or wrong on an interview so those of you who are on the show last week I'm, I'm working with a client right now and we're trying to hire for multiple positions so i have read actually i'll get you an updated number how many re- resumes have i read at this point 462 resumes um well that's the unopened one so call it probably about 500 uh, resumes i'm just talking about email confirmations of these resumes about 500 um of those 500 resumes i've invited about 20 people in for interviews uh of those oh your son is doing his usual call out would like to be acknowledged <laughs> hey Brandon, i uh, missed you uh, we
1: gotta catch up this weekend
0: yeah uh and then um when we get to uh the when it, so 20 of those came you know 600 resumes about or 500 whatever i said 500 resumes 20 percent 20 of those i'm calling back in for interviews and have conducted those now right now it's standing at one offer letter um versus you know however, however many that are out there so i mean it's not obviously there's a lot when you're interviewing people from a business perspective that just don't go right but Here's what I'll say about the interview stuff is it's shocking to me how many people don't show up on time to their interview. Now, for me, on on like a Zoom or a Teams or whatever remote interview, I'm giving it three minutes and, and I'm gone. There better be a really good excuse. But it's it's the other thing is, is usually in most if there's a legitimately good excuse, in most cases, you could pull over cause you're stuck in traffic and shoot me a message that says, Hey, I'm running a couple of minutes late because I got this problem or I'm trying to get out of my office, but my boss just came in. Yeah. I mean, there's a number of reasons that you could communicate that. So just, you know, have, if you're going to have be not on time, which, you know, plan accordingly but there are certain circumstances just communicate that which again applies to everything in every business conversation that we have if you're going to be late communicate it. it's just human nature it's human or, or, or something about being pol- you know being polite um the other thing is is now that we're all doing remote interviews test your setup there is nothing that kills momentum like you sitting for five minutes trying to figure out how to make your microphone work I mean, you know, Ron and I, like for guests, we bring them on ahead of time. There's a test feature on Instagram. And if we could do that for this show, you could do that for your interview. And actually most of those systems allow you to do it. So if you download, you know, teams or zoom and you don't have an account, they'll still allow you to test your setup, get on there an hour early. I got to tell you, usually it sends me a notification that somebody's logged in an hour early and I'm impressed by that. Cause that means they logged in. that they don't have to stay on for the hour. I'm not suggesting that. But i see a notification that you know so ron Carruthers has uh joined you know joined your meeting i
1: get the same thing
0: and then i'm like wow that's usually i have a moment of like oh crap did i get the time wrong (laughs) but uh but after i get that they go no no (laughs) i have the time right i'm also like wow that's impressive so they're probably testing out their setup making sure their headphones work they've got the thing working on there right because it, it just makes sense the other thing you can do is you can do like a speed test now, there's, you know, for those techie people in the audience, they're like, oh, you know, there's great, better ones than this. But if you just literally Google speed test, one comes up, it pops up right on the screen. That's I think Google does. I don't even know who does it, but whatever. You just click it. See if your Internet's working. Like basic stuff like that. Now, I did some interviews recently in Florida or this week in Florida. And the good candidates told me, hey, I don't know if you've heard, but we're having torrential flooding internet's in and out i've got a backup plan if it does but you know what the fact that they communicated that to me I'm like all right cool i totally understand if you freeze up i get it but if you don't have that excuse I'm like well how can i hire you to do sales calls or how can right, i hire you to just, be you know yeah. anything if you can't do the basic communication right and this is just zoom or or t- remote 101 use some freaking headphones it's not that hard like your airpods headphones you don't have to have a crazy setup like i have here in the office but you know ron's on airpods right now and it works because otherwise what happens is if you just do speakerphone you guys probably know this but it's like old speakerphones in an office it cancels out each other's sound so like i'll be talking and then the person's starting to talk and i'm like i I didn't hear what you said and then it just leads to a crap interview process but So those are just some of the technical aspects of it be on time test your setup you know get yourself situated and and yes that takes a preparation but you know what that tells me a lot about you even before we get talking here's look go ahead
1: oh and i gotta throw one thing in if you're if it's a remote interview like come on how can you possibly be late for this like i i would like there is no excuse okay traffic was bad it was an hour away like yeah i kind of get that still not a good look but right. but for a remote interview not just i mean if i was that person you just told me everything i needed to know
0: absolutely yeah i, I told him so, me. i mean i remember when we used to do uh it's kind of funny but i mean uh i don't know how appropriate it is but it was true is so uh, my old assistant
1: when, when have we ever worried about what's appropriate i know that's then. a good point
0: my my old assistant when i worked in corporate america was you know a a nice looking lady and it was funny because she would have to walk candidates because this is always like a thing you know to understand like what all the things going around the interview it's not about what you say necessarily i mean that's important but there's a lot of aspects around it so she used to have to walk my she would go get my candidates out of the lobby of the building and then walk them across to my office and i was at the far end of like this office open office area and all along the way to my office was a bunch of glass office, you know, the glass walls, which a lot of those people weren't in the office a lot of times. So they they were dark. So basically, you know, when you walk by a window where it's dark behind it, it's a mirror for all intents and purposes. Right. As she would walk by, she would look over her shoulder to see whether they were checking out, you know, various aspects of her personality, um, <laughs> you know, checking all that type of stuff out. And she would tell me, or if they were really rude to her, because they would just be like, "Oh yeah, I'm here to see Dominic," and very dismissive because she's the assistant, you know. Right. And, and if we if we did that kind of thing, you know, did that type of thing like that for me, those were deal killers. Like, you know, I I understand, you know, you may want to check out you single and you want to check out somebody who's attractive, but like time and place, right? the 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 interview process is probably not the time to do that, right? So. It's it's similar to what you're saying. Like it's all the little stuff that goes into it before you even start talking that I've already started to formulate an opinion. If you're late, if your tech setup doesn't work, you just seem harried. You don't seem put together. I can tell you're not prepared. You, you don't even have your own resume in front of you. Your resume sucks. Like it's, there's a lot, well, I probably wouldn't have invited you if your resume sucked. but you know what I mean? Like (laughs) all those little things. And one that gets me, and this is actually happens a lot on interviews is, you know, you read the resume and then the person goes, Oh, well, actually that's not current. I've actually been at this other company like for an hour or how long, like, no, for six months. And why the heck did you not update your resume? Like that's going to kill me on an interview discussion. Cause I'm just going to be like, no, that, all right. That, well, I, I mean, why you just applied, you know what I mean? Like y- you couldn't, uh, yeah, John Is that Chavez? Probably. I, yeah, exactly. Those little details carry more weight. I mean, they, they really do. I mean, it's, it's that those little tiny things are huge because think about that as humans, we tend to get first impressions within a, within seconds, right? Now there's various studies that give different times for how fast that is, but we all know it's, it's almost instantaneous. Well, what are those little things? What are those first impressions being made up of? Well, it's, it's not a lengthy conversation. It's what you're observing. Now, some of that may not be fair, but it's reality, right? So when you're, when you, all those little things that John just mentioned there, that that's, those are the things that are formulating my first impression of you. And then now you got work to do to overcome that while we're interviewing. And that's a tough place to be. You already got work to do, right? But now you've got even more work to do. So once we get in, go ahead.
1: And what's crazy is nothing you've described is hard no, or really much beyond common sense. And yet <laughs> everyone got thrown off. I think maybe by COVID, I don't know, but it sounds like these are all rookie mistakes that could really easily be avoided. So by the way, I just wanted to throw uh oh, it's guilt. Oh dude, John Chavez is well, wait, did we just dox you? Anyway, what's happening, John? Now we know who you really are. Um, the, um, I don't even know what I'm saying. For those of you just joining, I'm like sleeping with my eyes open <laughs> right before the end of tax season. But I think we were saying something important. Oh, I know what I was gonna say. The big deal is, um, I was just looking at the stat, Dominic, 134,000 tech workers, have lost their jobs since January one, right? That doesn't include all the layoffs that happened before that. But that's how crazy this is and why we're having this conversation about it. Right. But anyway, back to you. What else? What I get a question for you. What made you pick you were like, of the 20? What made you pick those 20? to interview and then was it job specific or was there there other things that they did and then what made you pick the one that got the offer letter versus the 19 it sounds like who didn't
0: yeah so a lot of that has to do with just the resume reading which we talked a little bit about last week um i had to mention just as a quick highlight of it and you guys can go back and watch for much more detail if you want make more keep more com, or wherever you like your podcast but. The big parts of it is, is that resume was very clear to me where they had worked. Um, You know, like, so sometimes I mentioned last week is is people put up their company name. And, but unless you work for Apple, I probably don't know what that company did. And then even if you did work for Apple, I don't know what your job title necessarily means. So this person kind of spelled things out for me very clearly. So I could read through the resume and go, oh, I see what he did. Um, and what work he's done, And oh, wow, that kind of matches what we want to do here. And so that that was interesting to me. um made it made it much more interesting., uh, and all twenty of those candidates did that. Now, unfortunately, not every one of them sent cover letters. But I had an interesting situation yesterday where I read the resume, well, I interviewed the guy yesterday, but I had read the resume the week before, and the resume didn't quite make sense to me why he was applying. It was actually a really interesting resume, um, fascinating resume. Um, Why? Why? Well, one, he had won three Emmys, so that was kind of cool. Uh, <laughs> I didn't, can't think I've ever interviewed somebody who's won some Emmys, not just one, but Nick? three of them. That wasn't my friend Nick, was it? No. <laughs> yeah. No, these for job. <laughs> He called them technical Emmys. I guess it was, so he did like TV and, and film work and stuff or commercial work and stuff and won these for, for the technical work they had done on it. But it, that, So that was kind of fascinating. Um, but what really got me to interview him because even though I didn't really see it, I was like, boy, is this a fit for this position? I'm not 100% sure. Cool resume. His cover letter. His cover letter was great. And he actually explained that. Said, look, and basically, you know, I'm paraphrasing. It was much more eloquently written. But was like, I realized my resume may not look on paper, but I'd like an opportunity to discuss with you. Here's why I'm interested in the position. Here's what I love about the company. Here's what I do in my personal life that actually uh, shows how much I love this type of industry and what I'm doing here. It, like spelled it all out for me. So that's interesting. When I went to the client, I was like, I've interviewed this guy. We ended up having a great discussion. Totally made sense where we may form a position for this guy because he's not necessarily a a match. But all of those little details, the cover letter was really professionally done. It was like artfully done. It was really cool the way he did it. And so uh, it made it very easy to read and it was concise, which is another one of my points. And uh, and so it stood out. And so then when I went to the owner of the company, it's so funny because he was like, I don't see the resume being a match. And I was like, read the cover letter. (laughs) And then he read it. He was like, oh, this guy's interesting. (laughs) So, you know, it's, it's, uh, those things are important. So a lot of those people just had things on there that really stood out to me that were very clear. Now, could there have been in the 500 resumes that I read other diamonds in the rough? Sure. But do I have time to uncover all those? No, I got to get these positions filled in the next two weeks. Yeah, I got to get get stuff done. So you're playing the averages on some of this stuff or, or whatever. So. Um, you know, it, it, we're, we're working on it. So, or, you know, get, getting through it. So it's, it's, you got to stand out in that resume. So if you, if you didn't catch last week's session, go back, take a look at it. It, it was, I, I spelled a lot of the, that out, but here's what they do when they get to the interviews now getting there on time, all the stuff that we talked about, all the little stuff, but here's one thing that I noticed with a lot of candidates and what eliminated a lot of candidates from their contention is they like my suggestion to you is or or i implore you to do is and this is good communication is pay attention to what i'm asking not what you want to say a lot of people
1: <laughs> in other words, don't do what the politicians do right so tell me about the war in ukraine that's an excellent question you know my economic plan is very solid uh and by exactly. the way i'll do it so that's not picking on uncle joe right um necessarily Right. yeah they do well you know and it's great we're doing great things for the (laughs) yeah yeah
0: Yeah. it's the largest it's the biggest it's the most it's the best ever (laughs) um but uh yeah so they what i'll ask is so i do situational based questions so tell me about a time when you did this and because i i want to know what you did not what you think you would do um right right i was i was
1: if any of your parents are listening That goes so true for your kids' college essays. Mm. People want to write all the time. Sorry to interrupt, man. But um, people want to write all the time about what they thought, like what something they read made them fun. It's like nobody cares what you thought. You're a teenager. You don't have thoughts. (laughs) Uh, We care what you did. So sounds harsh, but... It's the reality there. So anyway, keep going, please.
0: Well, and the analogy I use for that, and some of you who golf will know this one, and Ron will know it at some point uh, when he starts golfing after he gets his checkout flights. But um,
1: That's next Friday, baby. Five in the morning. I'm just going to cry the whole time. I already warned the guy.
0: He is that, like, I can tell you what I think you should do on a golf course, and I can tell you what I should do on a golf course at any given shot. Like, ooh, I should hit a little low draw over there, you know, and the golfers will get me on this one, into the green and I'll play the backstop there and it'll, it'll roll right back down towards the thing. Now, what I actually do, shank it over into the other fairway. Like, so me, you telling me what you think you'd do doesn't really do anything for me. We all have good thoughts on what we would do on something. But, so I ask these situational based questions, tell me about a time when, and it's so funny when I'll be like, okay, tell me about a time when you had to deliver bad news to a client what was the situation you know how did you handle it what was the result and they're like you know i've always made it an effort to just deliver top-notch customer service and blah 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 and i'm like okay, okay. like yeah. because that was one of your talking points you had to do and here's the fun yeah. here here's the that's harsh funny. reality kind of like you said nobody really cares about what you think as a teenager right
1: really don't by the way we kind of don't care what you think as an adult yeah because here's the thing
0: some of the stuff that you think makes you so unique do you know how many people have told me they focus on customer great customer service and care so much about their clients all of them of the i don't know ten thousand interviews i've done in my life i mean that's not an exaggeration i have probably easily interviewed ten thousand people i do you it, they've all told me they do that. Like I don't it that's not you're not a special butterfly. But if you listen to my questions and tell me about your situation, it's really interesting how you might actually tell me something that makes me go, huh, that's pretty good. In fact, the one of the guys that um, that so I, I have another one that's kind of in contention for for a role. he actually gave me when when he answered my question, I told him I was like actually, that's really fascinating. gives me something to think about because I think we could actually implement that. That's a pretty cool idea. Well, you think nice. that makes him stand out as a candidate? Yes, of course, 100%. right? So th- listen to what I'm asking and, and don't worry about your talking points. We will get to those, because in most cases, I'll ask something like, hey, do you have any questions or anything else that you think I should know? You know, and everybody knows. I
1: give excellent customer service. Yeah,
0: exactly, <laughs> right? And then I'll be like, oh, that's nice, Ron. Thanks for sharing. So good to know. <laughs> yeah. Um, here's another thing to do is be concise. What happens is because people want to do talking points, then they will do this little fun thing where they're like sort of answering my question, but then trying to figure out how to weave in their talking points. points for talking points. And then they've spent 11 minutes answering my question. Oh, dear God. And, and then I'm like, I, I've lost interest a long time ago. I'm now on Crown and Caliber looking at watches while you're talking to me. <laughs> I'm so tuned out because I've done this so many times. Like, it's not like I haven't heard virtually all of these responses before. And so the, the, my, my advice to you and, and certainly I could work on this once in a while too, is be concise. And, and one of the ways to be, one of the best ways, in my opinion, to be concise is to pause for a second. If I ask you a question, tell me about it. That's one of the questions I asked is tell me about a time when you had to deliver bad news to a, for sales reps, I'll ask that. Tell me about a t- time when you had to deliver bad news to the, a client, you know, they were upset, what was the situation? How did you handle it? What was the result? When I ask that question, if somebody pauses for a second and thinks and goes, okay, uh, and I usually tell people like, it's okay to pause. They still don't. like right. I'll say, look, if you need a minute to just collect and think about the story, do it. But the ones who do, who pause for a second, think about it and go, okay, actually the first story that comes to mind is this one. And then they tell it. It tends to be really concise. It's the ones that I go, tell me about that time, blah, blah, blah. And then they're like, Oh yeah, well I had this client, and you know sometimes at, at our business we had this thing, and oh you know actually no, now that I think about, it, I have this no you know what, let me do this other, and I'm like oh my
1: gosh yeah like, they didn't take they didn't, they didn't take a moment to to just get their thoughts
0: gathered take a moment, and and here's the thing like kind of going along with that because sometimes what happens is you know and I and I'm sympathetic to this you're it's it's a pressure environment to be in an interview you chances are you want the job otherwise you wouldn't have been there. Or you think you want the job. I mean, you're you're hoping to uncover that. Uh, you probably need a job in most cases, like either you don't have one currently or you hate your current situation. you really want to get into it, or this is a company that you've been looking out for for a while to have a job opening because some companies don't have very many, right? So when you have that situation, you're pressured and you're feeling that you're nervous. There's no question about that. I can sense that. And that. Th- and I don't, I, most bosses don't really care. Like I, if you're interviewing for somebody, like I expect you to be a little, if you're not in, nervous at all, I actually kind of worry a little bit, like how much do you interview that you're not nervous? Um, <laughs> and so you can see a little bit of handshaking, get a little bit of the dry mouth, whatever, you know, that that's normal, right? But what we end up doing is rambling and not pausing. And then it makes it really hard for me to follow. And then I'm back shopping for watches again because I'm not really tuned into the conversation because you're so all over the place. So going along with that, we often as candidates feel like we have to always have a positive answer to everything. I purposely ask negative questions in a sense, because for me, especially when it comes to salespeople, if I'm interviewing for salespeople and marketing people as well, resilience is a big deal. Like you gotta be able to handle no you got to be able to handle rejection you got to be able to handle that your ad flopped if you were a marketing person like you know copy didn't work out well like it, you just got to be able to take that so i ask a lot of questions around like that bad customer service experience or whatever i ask that one i i'll say i'll ask sales reps tell me about a time that you were behind in quota now it's funny because i'll preface it and i'll say look i've been in sales for almost 30 years now there are, i've usually made my annual quota but there have been times where like on a monthly or quarterly basis i was behind quota like it happens to all of us so tell me about a time when you were behind quota what was the situation whatever you know i ask him do you want to take a guess at how many of them tell me they've never been behind in quota <laughs> all of them like if i just told you and i'm the executive interviewing you who's been in sales for 30 years that i've been in behind in quota it's pretty okay to tell me that you've been behind in quota. In fact, it's not very smart to tell me you haven't been because I don't believe that I don't believe right. for a moment. You can, I have never met a salesperson ever. And I've worked with some, you know, people who are pulling down half a million dollars a year, year in and year out corporate America it's in sales. People sold just unbelievable salespeople over the years. Um, you remember my friend Dorothy uh, <laughs> from way back, uh, you know, people like that. And, they were behind quota at month by a month for a month or a quarter. I mean, you never got sick in your life. I mean, it's just so unrealistic. So it's okay to not know something like, it's okay to say, actually, I don't know the answer to that question. Okay. No problem. It it may not get you the job. Let's be honest, but it, but it, I'd rather you do that than not the lie. And just because you haven't had the experience doesn't mean you're a bad candidate.
1: But there's also some, I mean, I'll throw in here, I've got a check ride for the FAA coming up next Friday, you're allowed a certain number of like, look, yes. man, I just don't know that because the stuff they expect you to know is volumes of information, you know, and so, but knowing where to find it in that case is really good. So right. I, if you ask me something, but I don't know the exact answer on I know where to look in the FAR, the AIM, which are flight manuals that the FAA puts out to find it. And I can usually find it pretty quickly. So if you, you know, if you Dominic or an interviewer asks you a question that you don't know really the answer to, like, you know, honest off the top of my head, I can't think of that. Um, if you want me to, happy to find it for you and I can follow up after the interview. That would be, I would think that would be a perfect, perfect awesome acceptable answer.
0: Absolutely. Like it, I, and in fact, I enjoy that type of response, right? So. It's I, real, right? It, it is, because how are you supposed to possibly God, no, know? I've
1: never had a bad customer like,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I've never been behind that quota, right?
0: Yeah, because right. if you're painting too rosy of a picture, then the question starts to become in my mind, well, if everything's so great and wonderful, why are you leaving your current job?
1: Yeah. Hey, man, it's even a copywriting thing it is. for of you guys that are into copywriting, which is it's called the damaging admission. You know, even when we explain a financial strategy to a client, we'll always tell them, look, let me show you everything good about it and let me show you exactly what sucks about it. So if you can live with that, you'll be real happy here. And I like to think, A, I'm doing my fiduciary responsibility to my clients, but also if I was sit there, human nature has it that if I'm like, it's so great, there's nothing wrong with this, that's never gonna get you off, you know, they're going to instinctively push back. Whereas if I'm like, look, man, it's really good. I do this. I think it applies for your situation. I'm going to show you why I think so, but let me also show you what you're going to have to live with around this, you know, and it would be the same with any job or any career that you're looking to. So I don't know, man,
0: but it comes back.
1: It does. Sleeping with my eyes open. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, here's what what
1: I, i want an espresso you keep talking i'm gonna go get an espresso i'll be here
0: and i think that this is exactly what we're talking about though is that whether or not you're interviewing or not uh for a job what we're talking about here is just basic business communication principles like if you're always i mean essentially if you're always painting a rosy picture chances are that you're lying and then that's going to raise red flags to me well the same happens in sales conversations i mean how many times have uh, I, over my career by being asked a question where I know we can't do that. And I'll hear sales reps go like, oh, yeah, will we let me talk to my development team and see if we can't get that working for you. Or, oh, sure, we'll figure it out. Yeah, everybody in the room knows you're lying. And so it's just a, it's a, it's a difficult position to put yourself into where you have that kind of, you, you know, in a sales conversation, a business conversation, people know. I mean, they have a bit of a radar if you will around dishonesty and so when people are dishonest i mean what does it really um you know i mean how how are when you're dishonest i mean where's the foundation and the basis of a relationship at that point uh whether it's an interview candidate or a sales candidate or or anything else uh, every part of that situation is is difficult so never be afraid in any of those situations and sales i mean i used to love to do this is to tell people go you know what? actually to be honest with you my competitor does a great job of that um and if that isn't a critical is a critical piece for you I, i'd be you know it wouldn't be good for me to tell you otherwise like i i really think that you should probably go with them I got to tell you, the amount of times that I use that, I mean, I'd have to really think about it. I'm pretty sure I got every single, I didn't use that a lot. I didn't say that on every call, but when it was true, I said it, I've got to say, I probably landed every single one of those clients. And it was that ability just to be perfectly honest with somebody and say, hey, I can't do that as well as my competitor can. And if it's a deal killer for you or something that's super critical to you, um, go ahead. I mean, go with them. And, and that, I think this shows that honesty, it gives people that comfort that like, you're not trying to just, you know, uh, uh, you know, mislead them in any way. And sometimes those things I've over, you know, 30 years of doing this, I've also found out that sometimes clients are testing you or prospects are testing you. They know your competitor can do that. When you get into, yeah, when you get into really advanced, some of you who've worked in, like when you're dealing with like a purchasing, um, uh, department, uh, I forget the term at the moment, but when you're, oh, uh, what are they called? Um, anyway, when you get into really large deals, uh, when you're you're you know, ten million dollar. Yeah, con- don't look
1: at me, man. I can't help you out. I'm just a humble uh, finance and tax guy trying to make his way in the world, Dom. We- no idea about the big power deals
0: you do. I know. When when I uh, don't do those anymore, but when you're when you're dealing with a um, uh, procurement—that's the word I was looking for—procurement department. When you when you're a salesperson working inside of 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 large deals. So like for instance, I a number of years ago I had the opportunity to present to ESPN, which was as cool as you think it would be. We got to go to Connecticut, go to the ES, Bristol, Connecticut, go to the ESPN studios. Guys. They toured us all around. I sat in lunch with all the guys coming out of the studio that were doing there. Saw um, you know, uh oh my gosh, the sports center host, can't think of his name at the moment, but you know, uh, Scott, <laughs> Scott Van Pelt, SVP. Uh, all I could think of was oh, SVP. Yeah. And I was like, What's, what does that SVP stand for? Uh, anyway, saw him, saw all these guys there. The cool experience. But when you're getting to a company that's that size, which is Disney, ultimately, you're dealing with a procurement department. And procurement are literally professional buyers. All they do oh, all day long is buy stuff for companies, and their budgets are massive. When you're, when you're in a company that's Disney or British Petroleum, which, you know, most of us knows BP or, um, you know, uh, Chevron or, uh, Qantas airlines, American airlines. I mean, there's some of the brands that I worked with over the years. Like they're going to have a procurement department, professional procurement department. Those people have listened to every sales pitch on the planet. They know what they're doing. They're well-researched. They do a ton of research before this was even, you know, pre like. Google days, in some cases, in my early career, they are well aware of what exists or doesn't exist out in the market. And so they may ask you a question deliberately to see whether you're going to give them an honest answer. They may have done research and found out that your product has a weakness in a particular area because they all do. And they may ask you that specifically to see whether or not you're going to be honest about it. So when you come back and say like, no, my competitor actually does that better. And if it's a deal killer for you, you should probably go with them to be honest. Um, I would then they're like, all right, cool. You passed the test. That thing wasn't that big of a deal to us. They may not tell you that, but that's often what's happening. So, so, so think in terms of the fact that at this point, an interviewer is a procurement specialist. He's procuring talent or she is procuring talent for their business, right? So my job is to, for my clients, procure talent for them to help them. I'm not a recruiter. It's not what I do, but I'm like like a client side helper, like assist their leadership team on how to do interviewing and, and bring in talent. I have interviewed thousands upon thousands of people. I know what this stuff looks like. I know when the story doesn't make sense. Like I can tell probably when you're lying nine times out of 10, there's been a couple of occasions or haven't, but you're like Santa
1: Claus, man. You see them when they're sleeping. Yeah. See them when they're-
0: <laughs> um, it's like the lyrics to Ender Sandman. Um, but yeah, so I know pretty much pretty have a good sense. And so when you tell me, like, oh yeah, no, I've never missed quota, dude, you're gone. I mean, it's just like uh, the rest of the interview is me looking for watches and and you can usually tell yeah, with
1: everything else, everything, you can't trust anything. I can't
0: trust anything else that's coming out of your mouth. And, you know, my first question, so if those of you who are business owners, this is a, if you're doing any interviewing, it's my favorite interview question uh, to ask I'll it. Um, is I'll preface it and say, look, there's something that we don't like about all of our jobs. Like I'm, I own my own business for heaven's sakes. And there's parts of my job. I don't like, in fact, you could even say I might even hate some of the things I have to do because there's some things you just can't delegate and I don't enjoy it. So tell me about something. Here's the question, or it's, you know, phrasing of a question is tell me about something in your current role that you don't like to do. Maybe you even hate doing it. What is that thing? How do you get over it? And what, what's been the result of conquering it? I have knocked out more people with that question, because they'll be like, "Oh no, actually, you know, I love what I do. Well, then why would you leave? Why are you interviewing? If you love it so, because I I sometimes, if I'm really in a mood and they really just irritate me, then I'll come back with like, "Oh wow, sounds like it's perfect over there. You got to let me. Why are you interviewing? Yeah. Oh well, I uh, yeah, yeah, you know, okay, and or or people will give me like, um." salespeople. Usually this is a really funny one. They'll respond to that. Well, like, well, I love telemarketing, but sometimes what I don't love doing. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I have hired more people, salespeople who've told me, and this is, you know, life world's changed a little bit since these days, but like I've hired more salespeople back in the old outside salesperson days when we sat in offices with phones. Um, I've hired more people that told me like, I gotta be honest with you. I hate telemarketing. Yeah. Okay. Tell me, tell me, okay, well, here's the thing. So I know that it's an important part of my job. I have to do it. So here's how I do it. I schedule some time first thing in the morning when I get in, pour myself a cup of coffee, telemarket from eight to 10 in the morning. And then I know that it, like I get it out of the way. And then usually what I try to do is one more round at four, between four and five. I know that's only three hours, but I do find that like, they'll have a whole basis for how they get themselves through it. And now I'm like, great! I believe that. I think it makes. I mean, you know, usually you can tell whether or not they're just making it up. But like, I believe that. So that idea of telling me something that you think I'm going to go, oh, that's that's a knockout. If he hates that, no, that that's not the case. It's actually they were tells me something. They were honest
1: about it, right? Yeah, they were honest.
0: Which, you know, honesty plays in business. <laughs> it's,
1: well, it's, because it makes everything else you say more believable, right? If you're, it's back to the damage admission, damaging admission in copywriting, which is if you're just straight about, look, man, I would rather be t- stripped naked, put on broken glass with a tribe of African pygmies jumping up and down on my back. Hmm.
0: Um, that was oddly with specific. On
1: their feet, then telemarket, but here's how I get myself through it. I'd be like, all righty then, you know? <laughs> yeah. So maybe don't use that one. Yeah, time. I was going
0: to yeah. say, like, you know, if I'm interviewing somebody who uses that, I might be like, okay, I'm going to have an HR problem with this person at some point. But, uh, but yeah. Why do you think I work for myself? <laughs> yeah, I know, right?
1: Hey, uh, man, so look, I, I, we got about five to 10 more minutes because I, like, I'm starting to stress out just because we're right at the thing. Yep. Is there something that we should get to? for for anything that you've been holding out on that you're like yeah man we really got to cover this before before we go
0: no i had a feeling you were falling asleep so i i covered it all very quickly and made sure i got to it at that so we can we can we can kill it we can give the people back 15 minutes if you would like to do that today that's no problem i've um, got to cook for a bunch of firefighters coming over to my house tonight so i got uh, i got a lot of i got prime ribs to work on
1: so nice that sounds good. Yeah, I've got uh, nothing near that fun. I've got a bunch of tax returns to go over. Um, Dimidro, we've been chatting about what to do on a job interview. And so just some ideas, and it'll probably make a lot more sense. We post all of our podcasts at makemorekeepmoreshow.com or Apple or Spotify or whatever. And um, last week, Dominic was in interview. Hell, I guess actually resume reviewing Hell, I got this one mosquito going around. I will kill that mosquito. Um, And so this week, last week, Dominic Demidrol had to go through and review all these applications. And we talked about what stood out and what didn't. And part of the reason we're talking about this today is because we have 131,000 just tech workers have lost their job just since January. So we thought we'd talk about some best practices for interviewing, you know, kind of in our theme of make more, keep more. And um, you got to make it before you can keep it.
0: It's hard to make so, money if you don't have a job. It's, it's yeah. you know, tends yeah. to be a bit of a buzzkill for, uh, for, for making money. So yeah, we definitely want to do that. But yeah, it's, I think I can't see the questions. They're not, they're not popping up on my screen anymore. For some reasons, they, they froze up about a, 30 minutes ago. So um, I got
1: yeah, so Dimitro, thanks for sticking around to ask it. But yeah, that's what we've been chatting about. So, um, And by the way, do you have any other points? That? I'll tell you who we have coming in two weeks. You're going to like this.
0: Well, I will, I will say this just because so you mentioned the tech position. So I've interviewed for a lot. I mean, I've primarily over the years, I've interviewed for, for sales rep positions. But I've interviewed for tech positions, executive positions, operational type positions as well. And the principles are all the same. The interesting thing about it is, is the tech folks tend to be much more honest on the interview, largely because their role tends to be fairly binary in the sense of like, not just because they're tech and it's code, but like literally you either can write that language or you can't, or you can do that technical work or you can't, it's pretty easy to test that out. So they tend to be a little less um, effusive and also, uh, you know, dishonest. (laughs) Uh, in their interview process, um, though, the funny part of that has been uh, sometimes the background checks have been a little more questionable. But uh, the so the, the, but like, you know, if I'm hiring a copywriter, I mean, I can sit them down and have them do copy like, hey, OK, great. You take a pen and a piece of paper. I give you 20 minutes to write on this topic and then they'll come back in and do it. So it's e- pretty easy to test that. Um, but like one of them that was the best copywriter I've ever seen in live wrote just absolute brilliant stuff Had 60 UIs on his record you know, that's a little more than we can. And one of them was like three months old. So I was like, clearly you have a repeating problem and a current problem. So maybe we can't hire you, but, but you're a heck of a copywriter. And by
1: the way, a career in aviation is probably
0: out for you you as well. But yeah, so it's, it's those types of things are, are fascinating to me. Like the, the differences in the types of people, it's usually salespeople, some marketers who tend to kind of be a little more they 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 think they know what you want to hear on an interview and say that versus just be honest and let the chips fall where they are because here's the thing for you for you, I know you're some of you might be looking for a job you might be like a little bit let's face it desperate we've all been there you uh if you get a job based on some sort of dishonesty the chances of that job working out for you and you being happy there are next to nothing so it's really you know, it just doesn't work. You're not going to be happy there. So just be honest. And if it's not the job, it's not the job. And the the one that will fall will be there. It might take a little bit longer. And I know that's hard to do when you need to pay rent, but, um, you know, just use that as a, as a thought and, and honesty tends to play. And I usually figure I can train the rest, even if you don't have the skills.
1: So we got a quick question from guilt, AKA John, Mm -hmm. which is how do you feel about um, any of your candidates having a side hustle or a business they try to run? Is that something you'd keep to yourself? You you tell them to keep to themselves or share? Or what are your thoughts on that?
0: I think that falls under what I just said. Great question, um, uh, Gil. Is like because most companies. Most any uh, any of the larger companies probably have that in some of their employee employment policy, whether or not you can have a side hustle and many allow for it as long as it's not a competing business, you're not stealing their right. clients, those types of things, right. many, many businesses allow for that. So it's not that big of a deal. So you might as well be open about it. Here's the other thing is, is when a candidate, I get a little closer on a candidate, I'm doing, I'm social media stalking them. Well, I, I have somebody do that, but I mean, I go and we go and look and usually that'll start to show that they have a side hustle. Um, You know, somebody I hired not that long, well, a couple of years ago for, for a company, um, you know, is in a band. Well, you're going to see that on the, on the. You know, social media posts because they got that on there. Well, okay, great. Then that also tells me that there might be some days where you're going to roll into the office and not feel so great because you played at a concert till two in the morning. Like, so let's just plan around that. And then that way it allows that side hustle thing that probably is taking you off hours and may take up some of your energy. If you're open and honest about that, then we can work around it. And I can say like, all right, cool. So do you need to start like Monday mornings at 10 a.m.? like or do you need to start Friday morning at like six and be off by three so you can get some rest before you play a gig or, or you know, whatever your side hustle is? So I, I definitely right. talk about it. I also look at it as one of those things like it tells me a lot about you as a human being that you have a side hustle. It means you care. And um the only true do- downside to it that I see is sometimes I wonder how long you'll be around. So like if the side hustle is something you're trying to turn into, a business your bank, huh? business, your main hustle, um, then I might worry about your longevity at my company. So address that with me and just say, Hey, I got this side hustle, but here's what it is. It's really just a hobby. I make some money off of it. I love it. Or if you're like, but I really want to turn into my primary thing, but I see that as about two years from now. Uh, and I just want to be honest with you about it. I'm going to be like, cool. Works for me. Great.
1: Love it, man. All right, any closing tips? Dimitri Droll is actually from Kazakhstan. So we're we're teaching him. I don't know if they teach you English in Kazakhstan. I would have to imagine no. So you got to be on our show every week uh, to listen, to learn English. We will teach you fun phrases. I have
0: interviewed for people um, all over the world, but not in Kazakhstan. I got to be honest with you. So
1: there you go. Now you got someone. Yep. And you're welcome, John. He says, thanks, guys. Sounds like being open and honest about it. highlighting any challenge with it is important. Yeah, I think. I think at the end of the day, if you're the talented person, I wouldn't have a problem with it, particularly if you brought it up. Okay, man, I'm in a band. Look, man, we gig, you know, locally, usually on the weekends, occasionally we get a weeknight gig. It's that a problem?
0: And again, you it's know. a standout and, thing. I'm going to be like, and, oh, this that was the candidate who has a band. Oh, that's awesome. I, yeah, there's just... Again, and look, I, you probably wouldn't know that interviewing with me, but like, I was a professional musician for most of my life. Ron knows that. But I mean, like, I, I so then that to me is gonna be like, Oh, that's awesome. And I know the band was just a random one of those, but right. like that side hustle may, you know, may spark some conversation. How'd you get into that? What what makes you do that? Like, well, oh, that's so cool. Like, Oh wow. You really do this, this guy, this guy, this lady has some, it does some, something's does going on.
1: Stand out. And I think yep. a lot of what we chatted about was the whole idea of standing out.
0: Yep. All
1: right, guys, listen up next week. I am being grilled at this very time in hour. I'll probably be in the air by then with a, um, for my check ride for instrument rating. So I'll, I'll tell you guys how it goes the following week. I feel pretty prepared. I'm a little nervous that it starts at five in the morning because I don't really function that early. Yeah. <laughs> um, the week after, Dominic, we've got Ed McClure. Ed McClure from down the hall. Ed is my guy. If you guys know me at all, you know that I'm the guy that's always like, don't put all your money in your 401k. It sucks. You're going to pay more taxes on it. You're tying up the money. Well, guess what? Everybody's situation is different. So when somebody needs money put in a 401k, we call Ed. And Ed knows more ways of stashing money into and stashing like huge amounts of that. So Ed's going to tell you all the things that you can and can't do and what different types of retirement plans. And then I'm going to sit there the whole time and tell you why you shouldn't do this, except in these certain circumstances. But Ed's good people, smart as they come, and then we'll work to get Howard rescheduled. And then another guest that we're going to be looking forward to is um, when you mentioned the Emmy guy, Nick Nanton is my buddy who's won a couple of Emmys. I don't know how many he's up to, but he's the guy that I used to go to the Grammys with, so we'll get him on. And he'll do some Hollywood stuff and talk about marketing yourself and making yourself stand out because he's really, really good at that.
0: And we're gonna have a really Jayless good guest too always. that just got out of the hospital, unfortunately. So he went and thought he was too young and Marcus. young guy again, and and uh, tore his calf muscle playing soccer. And I was like, dude, you do remember you're like over forty, right? So,
1: i <laughs> we get him on, guys. All the back shows, make more, keep more show. dot com, Apple, Spotify, all those places. And if you're just tuning in late, we just chatted about interviewing tips and tr- tricks because Dominic's been interviewing a ton of people and there's some obvious mistakes. You can go back and catch that. And then last week's show was all about how to get your resume to stand out. We know it's getting it's getting rough out there. Mm-hmm. And so um, we wanted to bring you guys up to speed on how to land your next job and really how to stand out in the pack. Any world of electronic resumes that all look the same. So be sure to go listen to those shows if you or someone you know is looking for a job right now and then this one as well we'll see you guys in two weeks dominic thanks for covering it Well, i just yawn the whole time <laughs> and uh, i'll see you in two weeks on the other side of tax season my friend all right Take guys. Care, you guys. thank you everybody bye, bye.